This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Penn State preview episode. So whether it is the day before Thanksgiving, is Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, I uh, hope you had or have a great holiday. Uh, but Michigan football is back at it on Saturday, taking on Penn State. Uh, real quick, Steve, can you think of two teams who are underachieving more this year than these two teams? No, I mean, no. I'm running through the list in my head. I, I You can't. So nothing. here's the thing, difference. The difference, though, a lot of national writers were picking Penn State as a dark horse playoff team. I don't think anybody was picking Michigan as a dark horse playoff team this year. So, uh, hard. I mean, really though, hard not to label Penn State as the biggest disappointment in college football. But on really though, to be totally fair to both teams, massive losses. Yes. Right. I mean, if I'm a Penn State fan, got to be. You know, Micah Parsons opts out. Noah Kane out for the season injury. Journey Brown, the birth of Journey Brown and Pat Fryermuth situations really stink. Feel horrible for both guys. Uh, mentioned on the board, Fryermuth was a great player to cover in high school. One of the few players before he committed to Penn State reached out to you know, just literally to say thanks for covering me. Hmm. Even though I think I did like two articles on him. That's it. I mean, it wasn't anything major. Uh, but a great, great guy, a guy I'll definitely be rooting for in the in the professional ranks. So, um, you know, two teams that, yeah, have really have had similar, haven't really caught any breaks either, I guess. So it's I think not, that's that's what it is to me is right, like, not I think they, to, they were probably both in for down years. Um, and this was something you and I predicted before. I think people were really taking that Penn State had a quarterback and running back returning Yep, and kind of extrapolating that to like, Oh, the team will be 11 and two again. Um, they lost, they were going to lose seven starters on defense anyway. So, and similar to Michigan, Michigan lost 10 players to the NFL draft. Plus once Ambry Thomas and Nico Collins opted out to six additional starters that weren't drafted. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about 16 like key contributors from last season. So anyway, and Penn state's in a similar boat. Right. So I guess disappointing or underachieving, it's, I think it's absolutely fair, right. but I don't think it tells the whole story. Right. It's 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 fair in the context for Penn State that they're 0 and 5, right? They they're they sh- they should not be 0 and 5 regardless of who they've lost. That's where the disappointment might set in. Michigan the same thing. I mean, Michigan 2 and 3, but still an ugly 2 and 3. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, really I mean, yeah, should could easily they're a missed field goal away from being 1 and 4 with a loss to Rutgers and a loss to Michigan state, both, both those teams are not, not good. Right. So um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I think people, yeah, thought too highly of Sean Clifford 
heading into the season. And I think Penn State has recruited really well on the def- – they had recruited really well on the defensive side of the ball the last couple of cycles. I think there was a little maybe too much optimism that those guys would pan out quickly. Think about a guy like Lance Dixon out of West Bloomfield was a five-star in 24-7. His second year, Brandon Smith, also a five-star in the 19 mm-hmm. class. Uh, Jason Owe. I know a couple of our national guys thought he was – which I think he's actually, if I remember right, he's played all right. He's been okay for them so far. Definitely not like one of the weak spots, but uh, up front offensively, they've been very poor. And yeah, I mean, even with the losses at running back, that's one of the things like, you know, Devin Ford, very, very highly regarded back in the 19 class and Kaziah Holmes, even both those guys that we were talking before we recorded, uh, both those guys are ranked higher than Blake Corum was in the 2020 class. And they just, I mean, no shortage of talent. there. definitely still. warranted because they produced Saquon Barkley, absolutely Miles Sanders, but man, they are just rolling in talented running backs. Now, two a couple of them are hurt. One of them transferred this offseason. So it's a younger group than maybe if you're a coach, than maybe you want it to be. Right. But yeah, wow. I think Does I it... think both teams are still have to figure so much more out than they realized. And I think you can you can disagree. I feel like both teams might have a better outlook on the season if they'd had two, even if they lose like their opening non-conference game against a power five team. But if they had had two games against the, you know, the, the, and a group of five program, I wonder if the dust settles, they kind of, they kind of gain some footing and they end up playing better in big 10 play as a result. I think, I think it's not an excuse. Certainly not ex- letting either coaching staff off the hook. Cause that's, every school's doing this, but like just knowing how much they lost and how much they lost that maybe surprised them. I mean, Michigan certainly, I mean, if you had said for in July, Oh yeah. Michigan's not going to have Ambry Thomas, Nico Collins, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, you know, Quiddy Page, Jalen Mayfield, Ryan Hayes, you'd be kind of like, well, this team's going to kind of stink. And I think Penn state's in the same boat where probably do for a bit of a setback had some additional, um, bad breaks go their way, but then also just has not figured themselves out on the field. Sure. So to be fair, anyway, to, to be fair sure. too, even with Michigan also on top of the missing, those guys missing to say that like that a lot of the, some of the other guys that you were banking on to produce have not played to the level that maybe we thought they would either. Right. I mean, it's, it's not even just the guys that are missing, it's that they haven't gotten some good play at some spots. I think we thought they would get much better play at too. I mean, it's, 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 it's been a breakdown from an injury and opt out and a product, just a pure production standpoint from guys who are still healthy too. You know, so. Makes for an interesting matchup. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like the, the toilet bowl. I think, I think we, we all assumed Michigan Penn state would be an evenly matched close game. I think literally not a single person on the planet would have predicted them to be a combined, what, two and eight heading into the game and like quietly a kind of lucky two and eight too. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So anyway, this, this episode, um, something Michigan should be concerned about something Michigan can feel good about players to watch. We got our over unders from our good friend, Neil, um, final prediction hunches and final predictions for the game. And then we'll talk about a few other topics along the way. 
Um, but Steve, let's start with the concern point for Michigan. What looking at this matchup, what is other than that Michigan isn't that great of a team? Um, what is something Michigan should be especially concerned about heading into this game? I mean, that another subpar offense will have their best offensive game against them, right? I mean, that's been the big knock on Penn State, I think, so far this year. The quarterback play has been – I guess that maybe that maybe to get more specific is that whoever starts for Penn State will play their best game of the season on Saturday. I guess that would be the concern. Sean Clifford – so Will Levis started on Saturday against Iowa. And he was 13 for 16. I don't know here to be clear, to be fair. I didn't, I didn't watch that entire game. I don't know if Levis was 13 for 16 and then was taken out or if he was pulled and then Clifford was put in and then he was put back in again. All I know is that Michigan just played Rutgers on Saturday. They didn't know who they were going to start. It was a question going into yeah, the Rutgers game. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying similar situation though, where Penn state appears to have a quarterback situation but then you had Noah Vidral throw for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns against Michigan. Right. Right. So I guess that would be the concern is that whoever starts at quarterback for Penn state on Saturday is going to have their most productive game of the season. And this, the history, the, the trend so far this season says that that's going to be the case. I mean, Rocky Lombardi, I don't even know if he would have started against Maryland for Michigan State last Saturday. That game was canceled. I don't even know if he would have started. He was removed the week before. I don't even remember who they played at this point. I think it was Iowa, actually. He was removed in there, a loss to Iowa. And then, like I said about Vidral, wasn't even for sure that he was going to start. So, you know, that'd be my concern. Whoever they play, whoever they put out there on Saturday is going to have their most productive game. Yeah, that's a good one. Because, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, ah, I, I guess I still have the mindset that I'm covering a team that has a decent defense because that's just what I've done for my whole career. Um, I'm just thinking, Oh yeah. Sean Clifford probably won't have that good of a game. Will Levis won't be much better because their stats aren't very good. I mean, they're almost dead. Even they both have 57% completion percentages, both averaging about um, 6.97 yards per attempt. I think Clifford's got all the touchdown passes, but um, very similar numbers. Same time, Noah Vidral did not have great numbers heading into the game. I think he'd only he'd already thrown for seven interceptions. You know, had had not thrown for three touchdowns in a game. Had never, I mean, in his entire career, he had never thrown for three hundred yards, and he did that before regulation ended. So, so that's a great one. Um, I'm going to go a little bit broader. I think it's the fact that Penn State is really not a typical 0-5 team. I mean, this is not a team that's like a doormat. They're not going to get run over by everyone they play. Um, You know, pretty unlucky against Indiana. I think you could make a very strong case that they, quote-unquote, deserve to win the game based on how they performed. You know, way more yards. You know, it it really came down to like a millimeter – controversial replay similar maybe to a JT was short type play, you know, where, where literally you could watch the replay a hundred times and half the people watching it would have a different opinion than the other half uh, in terms of 
Penix, whether he was down, touched the pylon, whatever. Um, so I had that. And then I think I, I can't help but wonder if they don't play Ohio State in week two, do they come out like if they play Maryland in week two, do they come out looking that flat? Or did the Ohio State game kind of put them in a hole that they had to dig out of? Plus the Nebraska game, I know you've referenced it before. I mean, they were down what 24 to 6, 27 to 6, whatever it was. There were a couple plays in that game that are very unique plays. Those are not, I mean, if they ran it back and played Nebraska tomorrow, I'd pick Penn State by 10. So there's been some bad luck. I don't think that they've, you know, it's it's weird. I'd almost say Michigan's two and three is worse than Penn State's 0 and 5. Uh, because Penn State, other than this most recent game against Iowa, I feel like they've been in every game. And you know, Michigan, they went like over a, almost a month without having a lead. And so, hey, I don't know. No, no. They were getting smoked by Maryland, too, though. Oh, sorry. I totally forgot. I was going to say, okay, good I mean, call. Good call. You could okay. argue you could argue that their two worst performances this year have been against the two worst teams that they've played. Because they were down three touchdowns in Nebraska and they were down what? Was it 35 to seven? against Maryland or something. I mean, they were down a ton to both of those teams. So, so I'm, I'm calling the Maryland one. I'm calling that a, uh, that one was bad. I totally agree. I think the Nebraska one, I think there was some bad luck. I think, I mean, anytime there's like a fumble six, I mean, that's, that's a base. It could, you could argue it's a 14 point swing. That's fair. Um, I'm just saying that both those teams stink and they were getting, they were getting throttled in those games yeah well, we so. think we think maryland stinks we don't know True, what to that's make of them. no fair good point fair um you know they've only played three games they barely beat minnesota at home they got spanked by northwestern hard to hard to tell but i think my my premise though is that penn state is 0-5 but i i almost i i can't sit here and say that they would always go own five. I mean, even, even with all the setbacks they've had. Um, so that makes them dangerous because I think, I think it could be a team that uh, got to think Michigan won't, but you know, if Michigan were in a situation where they were feeling better about themselves, I could absolutely see them overlooking this team because I think, you know, the, the S and P, I think they still see Penn state as a top 50 team. They still see, um, you know, other advanced or statistical metrics still see Penn State as a solid team. So I think the fact that something Michigan should be concerned about is that Penn State isn't just going to lie down. Like, they don't stink. They have defensive players. They have, now we'll talk about the offense in a little bit, but, you know, they have enough talent to, yeah, if, if Michigan's defense doesn't show up and their offense is, I would say, figured out, that's the other thing is they still have coaches who are in these battles with Michigan every single year. I mean, there's, there's absolutely a scenario where Michigan just isn't ready for this game. Flipping to the other side, what is something Michigan and its fans can feel good about heading into this matchup? I mean, Cade McNamara, right? Got to think so. I mean, that's like, better better than the alternative. Right? Got to feel like got to feel like that. There, at least, I guess, at the very least, 
one thing you can feel good about is you got to feel like the confidence level might be growing in the offense based on the way they were able to rebound after McNamara was put in on Saturday. The dude quietly was the third biggest comeback in Michigan football history. Again, I know, I know it was Rutgers and whatever, but still, that's still something regardless of who you're playing. And it was yes. yeah, in college moment, 17 point comebacks do not happen very often. Yes. And, and momentum switched when they made the change at quarterback. So I think at the very least you can say there's some growing confidence offensively, you know, and I, so I think if that's one thing you want to hang your hat on, cause it is, it, I mean, and just, we're just, I hate to keep harping on the defenses. There's not a lot of things to be, you know, confident or optimistic about defensively right now, at least specifically. So you got to go offensively. I, I just, I think it is. I think that there's just a growing confidence. It's a young group, you know, and, and I think, and like we said a couple episodes ago, we haven't talked about it recently, but you know, we may have been a little too optimistic about, you know, cause a lot of them were highly recruited, but there's no experience at a lot of spots. And I mean, to be honest with you, some of the more experienced spots that aren't injured have been where some of the worst play has been at. Yeah. Right. So it's a young growing group. And I feel like, you know, I feel like Saturday, I feel like against Rutgers might've been a confidence builder for a lot of young players on this team, particularly, like I said, with the change at quarterback, I think it really, it did it. It it was a successful, the timing was successful for the change and it created the spark the coaches were looking for at the time. So I think you can, I think there's basically, you can be optimistic that maybe Michigan can build off of that performance and, and go from there with McNamara. Yeah, that's, that's really the big one. Um, you know, if I, if I had gone first, I would have said like, well, they scored 48 points. And even if it's against a team like Rutgers, who I think has a middle to below average defense in the big 10 this year, um, you still are seeing yourself score 48 points. That's still something you can draw upon. And, you know, with Cade McNamara, they were plus 23 in the matchup with Cade McNamara, even with their defense struggling the way that they did, they were plus 23 in the game. Once Cade McNamara entered, if Michigan wins that game by 23, I think most people are pretty comfortable picking Michigan over Penn state this week. So easy. That's not, I'm not saying that's what should be said. You know, our predictions are going to be, they're going to be what they are. But I, I think there's something to that. And and I would add, you mentioned Cade McNamara. I'll take the other part of the offense. I, I think the fact that Hassan Haskins had the game that he had, I don't know that it opens up the run game. I don't know if that means they're going to run for 200 yards, but it's it's something they can lean on. And they and they know they can lean on Haskins. You know, if 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 it's third and, or let's say second and five, they don't have to pass. They can give the ball to Haskins and he's going to fight for them. And, and the other thing you mentioned, um, you know, getting that experience. I think, I think Saturday could be a real learning opportunity for Michigan. Um, I, on both sides of the ball, but I'm speaking more to the offense. I mean, if, you know, it went in film, instead of just picking apart everything, Zach Zinter or Chuck Filiaga or um, Carson Barnhart did, they can circle the things that they did well and the things that they need to improve on. And that's so much easier to learn. You know, if you have the positive and negative reinforcement, you're able to kind of decipher what's working and what's not. Um, 
you know, and same with the running backs. I mean, if you're, it sounds like they're a pretty close knit group watching them in warmups. They do a lot of drills, just the four of them um, would be, would be an interesting story to kind of like see how that group is vibed because they're all in very different parts of their careers. But if you are Zach Charbonnet, not to pick on anybody, if you're Zach Charbonnet, Chris Evans and Blake Corum, are you not giving this week a better effort because you saw Hassan Haskins kind of take that bell cow role. I mean, I think, I think that can be one. It shows the offense that they can lean on Haskins. It gives Haskins some confidence, but two, I think it, it can be a motivator to other skill players on Michigan's team. So yeah, I think, I think, you know, Cade McNamara provided the spark and I think Hassan Haskins provided uh, a little bit of stability in Michigan's offense and that, um, they don't need Cade McNamara to throw, you know, have a basically a perfect passing game to have a chance. I mean, they, they have a player who can run because I think Haskins had what hundred yards in the second half. I'd have to double check how much he had in that first half, but that's something they can lean on. Uh, it absolutely is. Other thing with Haskins, the energy level. Mm-hmm. We talked about it last episode. That's the other thing. Is like, would like to see if Michigan can build off of the energy from guys like Bell and Haskins, you know, who brought it in the second half last week. That's the other thing, I suppose. You know, looks like you're seeing, you know, there are captains that are named, but then you can see, like, guys who got a few captains out. So there's right, room, like, <laughs> right? Like on the, but then you see, yeah, you see things on the field. You know, I just I, I just look at Ronnie Bell like celebrating like crazy on the after that touchdown last year. I was like, and again, we we're not in the locker room. You know, I hate to like make assumptions, like, but that's it's that was refreshing to see that. You know, yeah, to see, to see a guy make a big play, like excited about getting back into the game. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, no, I mean, but really though, it's like, like, I, I'm That's not laughing. what the season is, isn't right. it? I mean, right. it's not, <laughs> yeah. you, you want that's if you're the staff, heck, if you're the, if you're the young quarterback kind of thrown into the mix, like, that's what you want to see. Like, you know, that's got to make you more comfortable, like knowing, you know, that, that these guys like want to, they're, we're going to keep fighting. So yeah, I think that's another thing where Michigan can maybe build off of that. And, and maybe you have a couple of leaders, guys leading by example too, right? Not just talking, not saying that the other leaders have just been talking, but just saying like you're seeing examples of guys like showing fight, showing passion. Because here's the thing, like so Bell made a, uh, ran a great route that opened up that touchdown pass or whatever, but Bell was also uh, awesome blocking on Saturday too. Very good on the edge, you know, and that's leading by example. And so – I think that's another area where Michigan fans can maybe you can feel a little confident or they're like they're building some confidence there as far as, you know, might have a couple leaders developing on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Now I will say, I mean, I feel like Haskins and Bell have been leaders by example for since they arrived on campus. That's why they're starters over people who had way more recruiting stars or recruiting build up uh, before they got to campus. By the way, Haskins had, 95 rushing yards on 16 carries in the second half and in overtime. 
So that's a pretty good game. I mean, the you know, 110 on 22 is is solid, but I think he found something in that second half that was um, that can carry over into future games. I don't know what it looks like against not Rutgers, but I, I don't think it's nothing either. So let's do players to watch. Who obviously there's, there's a few obvious ones. We try to find the non-obvious players to watch. Who on the offensive side of the ball are you keeping your eye on this game? Honestly, I mean, I want to see does Michigan start Chuck Filiaga at left guard? And if they do, like how does he play? You know, I mean So who who's behind him? Keegan? Yeah. Yeah. Who was battling with Filiaga in fall camp? So I'm right. I, I um you know. I think you just I think you want to see a little bit more there on Saturday if you're Michigan if you want to try to run the football successfully um again just trying to tell it how it is I just not it was not great on Saturday it, it definitely for certain stretches of the game so um you know instead of picking a guy like McNamara the easy this one this is not it's that's not the first time right right been able that, to be said about him yeah that too you know and like, like I said not trying to just trying to tell it how it is. Just, I think Michigan maybe needs to see a little bit more out of their left guard spot on Saturday. You know, Chuck was a highly recruited dude time to turn it. There's, you know, opportunity to turn it around, but just, you know, from my standpoint, I think it's a spot where Michigan needs more production. You know, if they're going to win on Saturday and if they're going to have any chance, you know, to, to try to turn the season around altogether. Yeah, Penn State, I mean, this is this is going to be a big test for Michigan's offensive line. I think Rutgers actually led the Big Ten entering last week's game in tackles for loss. They averaged eight per game. Uh, they were, what, 15th in the country in that category. Penn State's not too far behind. I think they're averaging 6.8 like, per game. I think they have 33 through five games, so whatever the math there is, 6.6 per game. Um, and they've got some good defensive ends. You know, some good uh, defensive linemen overall, too. So I was going to go with the offensive line. I was going to actually put it on Carson Barnhart because seemed seemed to hit a groove in the second half last week. I, I hope I'm not repeating myself too much, but obviously if an offensive lineman hits a, hits a stride, the running back often does as well. I think he found a comfort zone, but I'm actually going to go with Cornelius Johnson. You know, this is someone we talked about in the last podcast. Had 105 catch or 105 catches, 105 receiving yards, two touchdowns. You know, there was that one play where he almost had three touchdowns last week. And then and then against Wisconsin, zero catches on three targets. But then the week before against Indiana, 82 receiving yards and a touchdown on four catches and, and six targets. So kind of I don't want to say up and down. That might be a disservice, but really interested to see how he does because I think he can be a really nice complement to what Michigan's offense is. I mean, I think that 46-yard touchdown pass was like the perfect Cornelius Johnson play. I think you know they have a short game. They have these receivers that they can do. It can work with the, on these slants. They have receivers who they can do screens to. Um, I guess these are all different ways of me saying they have short, fast receivers. 
and Cornelius Johnson has has the catch radius, you know, for a third down um, shot over the middle, or you know, the occasional deep shot or, or the red zone target. Um, you know, I think his upper body strength relative to other players, other you know, six three receivers like him, I think that's that's maybe what's separating him from being like an all Big Ten caliber player. But he's showing some serious progress, and I I I gotta think. Penn State's going to really try to to shut him down, but if he can rise above that, or if he can find a way to still make plays, you know, one thing that's crazy about Michigan's season is if you look at what's happened on the field instead of the narratives behind different players, they don't have a star player this season. I mean, Quiddy Pay was he's missed the last two games. Nobody else has been like a star player like even close to like an all big 10 type of player on either side of the ball and just watching last week I I I couldn't help but wonder if Cornelius Johnson can can string a few nice games together not saying he's going to be a star not predicting anything either but he's someone I'm keeping an eye on like what does he look like on a snap to snap basis Um, does his blocking improve does his uh, you know I guess catching in traffic or beating out coverage to, to make a play on a 50, 50 ball, you know, that's probably the next step for him, but he's also, you know, can he be productive with what he's good at right now? So yeah, he's, I I agree with you. I think the offensive line has a really tough assignment this week, but I, I do. I mean, Cornelius Johnson's probably someone I'm, I'm watching and thinking, because I think he, he showed, you know, really a lot of capabilities last week. He does it again, then that becomes more of who he is, and less of oh he showed capabilities. It's more oh he's a good receiver, so he's someone I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, no, I I sang his praises a little bit in my uh, when I aired it out post Rutgers. Yeah, you know, and I think there's something there, and it was really yeah again two and three, but it was something going into the season. You know that I think we all we both said once Nico opted out that there was it was utmost importance that a guy like Johnson stepped up. So, yeah, I mean he had what eighty two yards a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. over a hundred against Rutgers, and really nearly had another touchdown catch. You know it's hard not to at least be excited there. You know that they might have something. So, and and you know I think Milton liked throwing the ball to him but it was nice. It was good or refresh, not refreshing, but like, you know, good. If you're a Michigan fan to see it didn't taper off when McNamara came in. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think there's a tendency, some, you know, just natural that, you know, quarterback a might like throwing to receiver a quarterback B might like throwing to receiver B receiver C. It just different guys seem to have different levels of chemistry with certain receivers, but with Johnson, it didn't taper off at all after McNamara came in. So, you know, I think there's a good chance that he can kind of build off of last Saturday's performance and, and get more opportunities. Defensive side of the ball. Who are you keeping an eye on? Um, Oh boy. Let's I'm, I'm, I might've even picked him last week, but I'm going to say it again. I want to see if Chris Hinton can build, build off of Saturday's performance. Uh, I think it's paramount that he continues to grow quietly. I thought, 
you know, and I think this got some some love on the board. I think quietly, Mozzie Smith was all right on Saturday. I think, and you're starting to see that young guys just getting more reps are becoming more productive, you know, because I actually thought Taylor Upshaw was solid too at certain points in the game. Now, again, not continually, like not dominant or, you know, I think he even like tripped over his own feet out, out, you know, when, when making, I think that was kind of an unlucky break, but still, you know, you're seeing these young guys get more and more reps. I think there's something there. So I, and again, I do think I picked Hinton last week, but I'm going to go with it again because I liked what I saw on Saturday and just having some kind of interior pass rush or just productivity on the inside is just so it's, it's the one area you know, I think last episode we talked about, is there any hope for Michigan's defense? The one area, if, if they can get something going in the middle, it's the one area where I think it could make a difference for them as a unit. So, and again, I think Hinton really showed a lot on Saturday, showed more than he'd showed all year. So looking to see if he builds off of that. Yeah, I like that. I Yeah, I think, um, I think he was maybe one of the best two or three players well, certainly on Michigan's defense, maybe even the entire team. I'm going to go. It's tough because I don't actually know who would draw the assignment, but I, I'm going to go with Vincent Gray, assuming he is the player that covers Jahan Dotson. I'm, I'm not sure who it's going to be. It could be Jamon Green. could be Dax Hill. Um, one Michigan, quietly, if their defense has done one thing well, they have been able to shut down or not shut down. They've been able to adequately cover one star receiver. You know, Rashad Bateman, 101 yards, but it took a lot of targets to get there. Wap Fillier was targeted 21 times uh, and only finished, or not only finished, but finished with 79 yards. Now you could say Ty Freifogel has looked pretty darn good himself. Uh, he had a great game. Dude, not- only... Only 79 yards is an adequate description if you were targeted 21 times yeah, in a four-quarter right? football game. That's, that's yeah, that's solid defensively. You know, J, uh, Jalen Reed, or Jaden Reed, excuse me, of Michigan State. Got it. I mean, it's, 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 I'm saying this acknowledging that Ricky White had a crazy good game, but if Michigan went into the game thinking shut down Jaden Reed, that will slow down their passing attack. Well, he had he was targeted five times. He had 18 receiving yards. You know, Wisconsin. I, I don't know if there was. I mean, they had a receiver playing running back, so I don't know if there was anything. Um, especially, I mean, they didn't have a wide receiver though. Get more than 30 yards. Granted, that's a Wisconsin game. And then Rutgers. Um, we talked about how well Rutgers was able to pass the ball, uh, but it wasn't as much Bo Melton, you know, if he was their number one receiver going in, he was getting like all big 10 kind of love targeted 13 times, 109 receiving yards, which actually is pretty darn good. But um, 61 of them came on one play, a broken play. So I'm looking at this Penn state offense and Steve, you're welcome to, to disagree because I, I, I haven't necessarily been able to watch every Penn state game this, this year. But without Fryermuth, without Brown, without Kane, I really think 
they're kind of looking at Jahan Dotson as as similar similar to Minnesota looking at Rashad Bateman. And so I, I really think there is an opportunity for Michigan because they, they you know they need to play better defensively overall. But so far this season, it seems like it, the guy that they circled entering the game, they were able to at least slow down. Sure. Not necessarily stop. I mean, I think I listed three guys who had at least 80 receiving yards, but but you know, make it a harder 100 receiving yards. It's similar to basketball. It's like um, you know, you'll let a guy score 30 points, but if he has to take 27 of the of his team shots to get there, you're probably winning that basketball game. The old Allen Iverson. Yeah. 53 sure. points on 31 <laughs> or the James Harden, like 50 54 points on 32 shots. Well, Beeline always had that philosophy as he was like, you know, it's just about the efficiency. Um so anyway. Something well, I, I, I agree. I'm not I'm hope I hope I'm not coming off as like trying to find something, but if I'm thinking about one thing Michigan has kind of done well is I think that like like the narrative of like the cornerback like researching the heck out of the receiver, um, saying this is my guy, putting him on an island. I don't it, know if Penn State has an offense that can produce beyond that. Dude, Fryermuth the Fryermuth loss is is almost more significant for this this game if you're Penn State. Yeah. Right? Because it does. Like there's been they've had there it's been sort of similar to Michigan defensively, offensively for them where I think they've had points where other guys have flashed. Like I know Parker Washington, really good young receiver for them, but not a guy week in and week out who has brought it. It's been Dotson and or Fryermuth. You right. lose Fryermuth, you lose that safety valve. Now there's a lot of pressure on Dotson to make some plays, but you know now, yeah, Michigan's defense is going to be focused on slowing him down. So, no, I mean, that's totally, you know, it, I think you it's – got to think, if, if nothing else, whether Michigan is actually going to do it or not, you got to think their game plan going in is similar to the Bateman game plan, where it's like make someone else beat you. And so we'll see what the cornerbacks have. I, I think we talked to Vincent Gray on Tuesday. Sorry, we're recording this Monday, but I think we talked to Vincent Gray on Tuesday. So we'll get his perspective heading into the matchup. I don't know if it'll be him or Green. I'm inclined to think Michigan goes with Green uh, based on what we've seen so far. But but regardless, that's a matchup I'm really curious to watch. Another player I'm going to throw out there, and I didn't th- put him as my player to watch because I don't know how much he'll play. But knowing what you know about Penn State's rushing attack and knowing what you know about this player, feels like this is a game where Michigan maybe tries to get David Ajabo going. I don't know. I'm not fully privy to what he's done in practice. I don't know if he's earned, you know, significant snaps. But I, I, I think I've heard coaches bits and pieces here and there kind of talk about him as a, um, you know, just need to need to get him ready to to stop the run too which is similar to what Josh Uche was at that point in his career before he kind of, I think he started leading the team in sacks in his third season, but had really done nothing before that. Okay. But I so, can't help but wonder. Right. Why not? Right. Yeah. Penn state, they are not running the ball very well right now. Yeah. That's what I was actually going to say when we were talking about 
the focus on Dotson was keep an, if keep an eye on if, if Penn State is able to establish any kind of running game, yeah. you've got to think Michigan's in trouble because they yeah because they have not run the ball well against anybody so far this year. Just a fact. I think that comes more from their play up front. Because, like I said, we well, said, they did lose their top three running backs from last season. But they're, I mean, like I said, though, the, the guys they have behind them are talented, though. I don't think they have a lack of talent at back, like even with those injuries. I'm not saying That's, that, yeah. you know, Kane and Brown obviously would be the guys getting the carries. But, you know, we've seen it with Michigan. I think Michigan's got a really talented backfield, one of the most talented backfields in the conference, but they weren't able to run the ball at all early in the season because nobody else offensively was doing anything. So, yeah, you know, but yeah, no, they, I, I agree with you. I, and, and that's why I'm thinking a job. I, I just, I wonder if that run game isn't working. Do they try to put whoever they can't, you know, they try to put the, the NASCAR package, the third down pass rushing package in on defensive line a little bit more. Plus, I mean, I don't think Upshaw and Valaine have necessarily, struggled but i do think they want to start getting more defensive ends involved um because i i I don't think optimally against a team that a team with penn state's potential speed i don't think they want carlo kemp in at defensive end all the time maybe i'm wrong just that's fair he's dude that's not what he was supposed to do he's a tackle yeah no it's (laughs) like (laughs) I mean, he's not hes not a classic tackle size, so I suppose you can slide him over, but it's not like that's what Michigan wants to do. If anything... I don't, I don't think... That's not a dig on Carlo either. Not at all. No, 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 no. That's poorly, actually... But. Dude, if, if anything, that's a... I don't know. It's, it speaks to maybe his ability, that, but it also, you could argue, it speaks to, you know, a lack of depth on the edge, right? I mean, you'd... Because I mean, honestly, like I, I don't know about you. I think Valaine's been solid, but he doesn't. You know, he hasn't popped, right? right. For the most part, so definitely. And you see, I mean, he's frustrated about it too. Absolutely, no. Language. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, and again, not really a knock, just that. But there's a reason they're putting Kemp out there in certain packages. So. Yeah, because they could play Upshaw and Valaine at the same time, but they're not. Right. So. Yeah, I, I just I wonder. After another rough defensive performance, do they do they kind of empty empty the chamber a little bit? See see who's going to make plays for them. We've been we've been saying it for yeah, I, I was going to say weeks now. <laughs> I mean, you got it. Like it's it's and again, not to pile on Don Brown or anybody specific, but man, I mean, they have not. It has not been like they've recruited well defensively for the most part. We've talked about the 17 defensive line classes killing them. Like they have no seniority there. They have no, the depth is kind of lacking, but at least in the back seven, they've recruited a lot of talent. And the only guy we've really seen a lot of in, in real actual situations is Makari page. And yeah, they got a lot of four stars sitting on the bench right now, you know, and it's and young ones too. And it's like, we've, we've gone back and forth about is the defense too complicated for a guy to learn mm-hmm. in two years. If that's the case, that's to me, that's a problem. And it becomes a bigger problem when you can't rely on these guys to come in when they're needed. You know, it puts way too much pressure on making sure you have third or fourth year guys 
at every spot. You know what I mean? Like we said, we've, we've gone back. We've talked about how Dax Hill wasn't available right away last year because the defense was too complicated and he was going through the bridge program. You know, he had to take time to acclimate where it's like that guy should not have to acclimate. That guy should be plugged right in the The bridge program is like not, this crazy like right but that's an hour it's not it's not boot camp either no. i mean it's just it's like more at school like he right. should be ready by october and that's but that's not but that's not even a knock on him at all it's but because there's there's a clear pattern now of like just they're only playing young guys when they like absolutely have to right i mean that's what the, that's at least defensively so do you see the pattern there where it's like mm-hmm. offensively you have Roman Wilson was the team's leading receiver in the first game of his career. You have AJ Henning seeing significant role. Blake Corum play, had the made the first play of the season. Zach Zinter's first Zach Zinter's starting off the bench, yep. right? But defensively, nothing. Just and, about and nothing, nothing ever. Either. Right. This is right. not like a oh this this That's, class is off. Right. Like no, it's just like That's Dave what, Long a didn't long play. pattern, long pattern Adam of Bush like didn't play as a freshman exactly. So the so I think that's where you can look at it's not a Michigan thing necessarily it's a defensive side of the ball thing where they're recruiting guys who are high school all Americans guys had thirty plus offers chose to go to Michigan are it's it's and like we said before we're not saying like hey start them play them every snap but these guys aren't even getting like drives to show what they have yet a guy like Mullings. Or a Hill Green, who we've heard, we you know, and that's the other thing too. And that this is where I, like I said, we said before, feel bad for the fans. These are guys that we're always told, like, oh, they're really, you know, Hill Green's the guy's been mentioned six, seven times this off season as a true freshman. Oh, he's he's really he's going to be a great player. And here we are, cool in twenty twenty two. Yeah, why haven't why haven't we? How would you if this guy's going to be that good? How have we not seen him yet when the defense is putting up historically bad numbers? And again, not saying start him, play him every set, but how have we not even seen him for a couple drives to see what this kid's capable of, right? So, yeah, we keep saying, you know, and even, yeah, Ojabo, a second-year guy, like who is who has the type of skill set to give them something that they're lacking right now, which is a pass rush. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. I'm trying to count something right now. Um, I think Michigan has 17 former four-star recruits on the defensive side of the ball who are not starting. I mean, that's that's a lot for a defense that is this bad. And that's so, the key. That's the key. Is that they're playing the unit as a whole it, it has makes been sense very... in 2016 when they've got all those veterans future nfl draft picks right. starting they need answers and i feel like they have the talent for answers and um you know i i, I think sometimes talent doesn't i mean we you know we talk about the offensive leaders right now it's guys who were not four-star recruits but man you gotta think these coaches i mean i hope i don't hope I'm not dis- sounding dismissive, but like they're paid a lot of money to turn talent into production. And so either they're not giving these guys a chance or the defense is not constructed in a way that maximizes production on the field. So, I, I mean, it's, it's different. You say 17, four stars, not starting, um, you know, 
normally you what you would think, wow, that's great then. But it's not in the context of how Michigan has played. This isn't it's not an Alabama or a Clemson or a Georgia or an Ohio State where you just recruit so highly that you just naturally have four-star level players on your bench. It's this weird. And again, and I'm, and this is Adam Shibley, Hunter Reynolds, both came in and I thought played better than the guy they replaced on Saturday. Right. Mm-hmm. But I still kind of agree a little bit, not so much with Reynolds. Cause we know like at safety, they're very young, very young, but at backer, you know, what does that like? What does that mean when Shibley is the first guy in that spot? And I, I really have enjoyed all of our interviews with Adam Shibley. I think he, this is not a, dude, oh, I no. can't believe it's Adam Shibley. He like, should be getting a pat. He should be getting a sh- uh, handshake, a pat. I mean, he has played his butt off since he got in there. And like I said, I think he's been effective. And he you was know? an all state linebacker. He pl- went to the same high school as. Uh, Jake Ryan, you know, pretty competitive school in Ohio. Like, I think I actually, I think I, I raised a few eyebrows. I put him in the two deep lat in spring of 2019, I think. Same time, you got four stars who, if you're doing your job, are ready to play. At least, I mean, you know, it, defenses can be a little bit more complicated than offense because it's, reaction not action but at the same time just tell someone to be hey be a heat seeking missile you run a four six you're 230 pounds go find it go hit somebody (laughs) like you know it's just yeah i anyway got a little off track there i i can't help but wonder if this is a game where maybe that you know a jalen harrell or a david ajabo um are given a bit more of an opportunity to be kind of a pass rushing Sam end backer type. Sure. Because I just, I don't think there's going to be an effective run game for Penn state could be, could be proven completely wrong, but the only team that's really run the ball, the only two teams that have run the ball well against Michigan have been the teams that are running the ball well against a number of teams and have done this for a while. So, but to to be fair, again, though, we have to see it to believe it at this point though. Yeah, I don't just get some run, right? I mean, it's just that. But, a- but I do have to look and see what I think is going to happen. Sure. And my my thinking is that I don't think I don't think Penn State's going to run for 200 yards. Right. I agree. And and I think I don't think they're going to even try to. I think they're going to only run the ball, you know, 20, 30 times. And in that case, maybe it's time for a job to get some snaps. And and Harrell, I know Harbaugh's talked about Jalen Harrell a couple times. Sure. Um something to keep an eye on we're going to hit a break when we come back we'll talk about over unders our hunches and final predictions for the matchup you're listening to the wolverine 24 7 podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, we're back. Thanks for waiting. All right, so over-unders. Our, our good friend Neil via Zool on the message board. I, I actually had to tell him since we were recording early, um, but he got he got them in. He delivered for us. So uh, anyway, <laughs> so far this season, Last week, you got six out of 12 right. I had a rough week. I only got four out of 12 right. So you have a three-point lead, 32 to 29 out of 62. So you're slightly above 50%. I'm slightly below. So let's start on offense. Over, under, ooh, two and a half snaps for Joe, Mil- Joe Milton at quarterback. Snaps? Yep. Under. Okay. Just play it safe. I'll go under. I think McNamara yeah. does enough. I think he finishes the game out. Because uh, I here's the thing. I don't think Michigan's blowing anybody out, right? No. So um, I, I got to assume that they'll start McNamara and he'll play the whole game. I'm going to take the over. I mean, I I think one thing, if depending, I don't know how each quarterback has reacted to this or how practices look, but um, – they have a pretty they they know they have something in a backup quarterback. You know, so if McNamara say he's flustered, say he's winded, say he, you know, rolled his ankle and just needs a couple minutes. Michigan is as comfortable as it's ever been putting a backup quarterback out in there to, to run a series. Now, Jim Harbaugh really doesn't do that. Um less so than other other programs or coaches. But I, I could, I'll take the over. I think it's, it's certainly possible. Number two, Michigan quarterbacks pass for two hundred ninety nine point five yards. Seems like a high number, but it, it's probably around what they've been doing so far this season. Two ninety nine point five. Your thoughts? Um, I'll say over because I think I do. I think it'll be a situation where they're going to have to pass the ball to set up the run. I think. I think they're going to throw a lot of passes on Saturday. So not necessarily indicative of like a dominant offense or a, you know, like a 500 yard offensive performance. I just think it'll be a, a volume type deal. So I'm going to, I'm going to go the over. I'm going to take the over as well. Um, I think that number is not as impressive as <laughs> I mean, Michigan, they, they do that so rarely that it still is seen as like this crazy good number. There are teams that average. There are like so-so teams that actually run the ball decent amount who still average over 300 yards passing a game. Um, and I agree with you. I think I don't expect this to be a like 42 to seven game where they're they're just running out the clock. Next one, Michigan running backs. So this is not quarterbacks getting sacked or receivers on end rounds. 
the running backs average 4.6 yards per carry. What's the yardage? 4.6 yards per carry. Under. I Penn State's talented. That's like that's the thing I can't get over. Uh, I'll say under. I I don't think. I think they. I think the running game will be somewhere in the middle. I don't think they fully get it going, but I don't think it's as bad as it was against Indiana and Michigan State. But I'm still going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. Um, I know I've mentioned, I think Michigan's going to be able to run the ball, you know, with this on Haskins, but um, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's not like they, they haven't done it for four quarters yet. And, and I agree with you. I think Penn state little surprised just by the numbers. I mean, they've given up almost seven. So they gave up 41 rushing yards to Indiana. Everyone's sense has gotten at least 123 last week. Iowa ran for 175 yards and four touchdowns. Now they only ran for 3.8 yards per carry and Ohio state's the only team to get to 4.6 yards per carry. But yeah, I I just, I I don't know. I'm not, I'm, slightly intrigued by Michigan's run game. And I think that they found something that will be applied into this game. I don't think they're running up and down the field. Uh, So at least I'm going to have to be proven wrong on that one. Next one, 139.5 receiving yards for Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson. So do they combine for 140 or more receiving yards in this game? Over. I feel pretty good about that one, too. I think they get over. I think McNamara showed enough. I think he'll hit open receivers. Here's the other thing, too. So, like, a lot of – I think here's the the criticism with Gaddis, I think, is apt as far as the play calling, at least when they get, like, inside the 10. But getting to the red zone, I actually feel like he's called mostly – Really good game because there have been, and again, this and this is where the difference so far was with McNamara compared to Milton. He's created a lot of open opportunities for receivers. Problem was, I think Milton especially was not hitting guys in some of those situations, or maybe not making the right read. McNamara showed a knack right away for, you know, maybe not hitting the first option, but hitting the second or third option, right? So. I just I feel good about Michigan creating opportunities for their receivers from a play calling standpoint. So, and those are the two guys I feel like, along with Giles Jackson, are are most apt to benefit from it. So I'm I'm gonna go with the over. 140 for two guys who don't do that every week. That's really high. I mean, Cornelius Johnson has two games where he has zero receiving yards this year. Um, and I, I sung his praise in the first half of the episode, so I'm allowed to say that. But um. I just, I don't know. And Ronnie Bell, I think he ended up with a decent game last week, but it, it started out very quiet. Um, yeah, four catches for 36 yards. So last week they got to 141. And that was with a really brilliant game from Cornelius Johnson. I'm going to take the under. Just, I, I think they'll have, I think at least one of the two will have a, have a big game. I'm just not sure that they, 
they kind of both have to have big games to get up to 140. Six and a half sacks plus tackles for loss allowed. Um, Penn State averaging around six and a half. I think I said 6.6 earlier. Michigan, I think they've done okay avoiding tackles for loss. Um, I don't know where they rank nationally off the top of my head, but seems like the offensive line is holding its own at least in terms of well, there's been a couple plays for sure, but but holding their own in the long run of a game. Does Penn State get six and a half or more tackles for loss? Ugh, that's a tough one. Um, I'll say under, especially if Haskins gets the bulk of the carries at back because he's been very good at, you know. Mm-hmm. He's avoiding negative yards. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get one or two, right? I mean, and granted, you don't, you know, you don't want second and eight but it's better than second and 12. And I feel like he's been really, really good the last couple of years in avoiding those situations. So as long as Michigan doesn't try to get too fancy with the edge stuff that has worked intermittently, I guess it hasn't, it's worked sometimes, but not like the last couple of weeks, then I think they'll avoid that. So I'll, I'll say the under. Yeah. Last week, um, Rutgers got five tackles for loss and they average eight per game entering the game. So, I'm going to take the under. I, I am very impressed by Penn State's defensive line. I just, I think, I think Michigan can avoid that many. That's, that's a decently high amount. Um, I mean, just, and, and am I, am I wrong to take a statistical probability that at least one of their initial starting five are back? I mean, we don't know the exact nature of those injuries, but um, Jim Harbaugh's never said these things were long-term. I mean, they've always been questionable in day-to-day. So if they get one or two guys back, they might might be in even, even better shape. Next one, 9.5 targets to Michigan's tight ends. I don't We had this one last week. I can't remember what the number was. Um, must have been high yeah <laughs> right it's got to be i mean it doesn't feel like there were that many targets but they i mean they they i think Cade liked throwing to nick eubanks too yeah um i mean i I'm, think so eubanks ended up with five targets well that's not very high at all no he must have had six i think there was a glitch in the in the uh I mean, all had a couple, all had a couple though, too. Eric all had five. I mean, they had nine catches last week. That's true. So, um, plus Ben, uh, Ben Mason had a target. That's a tough one. Oh, I forgot about Mason too. Um, crap. Well, feels like a tendency. I mean, my thought is this though. And we talked about this in the recap from the Rutgers game is, is Eubanks needs to, be a more effective blocker to, I feel like he's as a senior, you know, I, I just, he, I feel like he's going to play either way, but like, I, I, you know, the thing at tight end is you want guys like you want to throw them out there defense, not to know what kind of play you're going to run. <laughs> but right. if he's that, you know, that's really it. Right. I mean, that's kind of the key. At, that's the whole appeal of a tight end is you could put his hand down and it's like, Hey, I don't know if we're going to run or we're going to pass with this guy. He can beat you either way. 
but Eubanks from a blocking standpoint just did not was very ineffective against Rutgers. So, you know, do you do less of that and just sell out that they're, you're going to throw the ball when he's in there or does he just play less snaps? Right. I mean, that's right. Um, I'll say under actually, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the under on this one. I'll take the over. Um, seem they seem to like throwing to tight ends, whether, I mean, even, even when they were dropping passes, I think, you know, Eric all had a nice game last week. I, I can't help but wonder if he um, gets even a couple more targets this week on the defensive side of the ball. Does Michigan allow 1.5 runs of 20 yards or more? So we've talked about the Penn state run game. Do they get two rushes or more of 20 or more yards? Just <laughs> guess cross your fingers and say under just because I don't, I don't know if Penn state's done that this year. I'm assuming they have at some point, but I just, I'll go with the under. I just, if they do, then Michigan's in trouble, I guess would be the best way to put it. You know, I think two, you can get away with. I mean, that's, that's not that many. And that's where I think, I think I have to take the over just, I mean, I Rutgers had one um, over 20 yards and it was 21 yards. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take the under because Penn State, just looking at what they've done this year, they really they they know they understand what they have. They understand that they they're going to have to throw the ball a lot if they want to win a football game. So far this year, Steve, they have four rushes of 20 yards or more in five games. So that's what I mean. Like a, if if they get there, that's not good. Cause it means they're, a, they're being, I, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. We're like, maybe you break off two, you just get two. But to me, if, you know, as ineffective as Penn state's been running the ball and as questionable as Michigan has been defensively, I do feel like it's a deal where if they hit two, to me, that means they probably end up like with three. Does that, if that makes sense, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that means that they're be they're being effective running the ball and that it happens like more than twice. So it's, it, to me, it's the over under here is like less about, do they get one or do they get two? Or to me, it's like, do they get one? Otherwise I think they get like three or four. So, yeah. So far this season, Michigan has allowed six rushes of 20 yards or more. Um, which given how atrocious Michigan's defense has played is actually not that many. So it really has been more of the passing game. Feels like a classic, over then you know what i mean like (laughs) all things all signs point to under and then they get it so yeah i gotta take the under just based on based on what i the stats i just cited all right neil's trying to get some injury info out of us 11.5 tackles for adam shibley and hunter reynolds combined tackles yep tackles Oh boy. Uh I mean that would basically imply that they start. I mean I suspect that Shibley will start for sure. So under the premise that Cameron Grown can't play, right. Do they go I'm, with Shibley or do they That's that's the question, right? I I'm I'm assuming cuz I we we don't we don't know. Cuz I get we, it, you know, high leverage road game where they're trailing. They just go with the guy that they know is going to do sure, the right sure. play. I, 
Okay. No, we're going right, to we're gonna, we're gonna get right back into the same conversation we just had, I bet. <laughs> well, no, 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 because before the season, you had heard this. Other Others at our site had heard this, that Anthony Solomon was had kind of played himself to a position where if, if a linebacker went down, Solomon would be the first off the bench, not necessarily playing at like middle linebacker for Cameron Grown, but that they would move either Barrett or Ross to the middle spot. And then they would put Solomon on the field as the third guy. But I, I, I could see where maybe they didn't want to do that. Sure. Given the context of the game last week. I don't know. I don't think you move Barrett right now. I, he's been effective for the most part, in my opinion. He hasn't really been the problem. Could he linebacker. be effective at will, though? Right. I mean, no, he obviously, he definitely could. I, I agree just, with you. You but... know what I mean, though? I, I don't like it, it, the rare mm-hmm. situation right now defensively if it's not broke don't fix it. Yeah, I don't know. I you know, Solomon still doesn't look like he looked a little small out there, a little undersized. He's but, only at 215, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, right, which But that's is, what that's what Peppers was at at Viper. Good point. Fair point. It'll be interesting. I agree though, but at the same time we just got done saying it doesn't feel like any of the young guys are really getting a an early opportunity. So, I'll say I'm going to say over I have no clue about Hawkins. I fully suspect McGrone will not play. Um, and that I'm just going to guess that Shibley. Hawkins looked like a collarbone shoulder. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, mm, it seemed like he was able to like move his hand. Right. I, I, I hate to speculate. I, no, I'm not even no, going to want. We don't want to Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out of here, Neil. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna take the under because I think I think there's a you know I'm thinking of like the um what is it the net probability value or whatever. Uh, I'm thinking okay, there's a decent there's an X percent chance they don't start. There's an X percent chance someone else comes off the bench. There's an X percent chance they rotate, and there's an X percent chance that they play the whole game and they don't necessarily get to 12 tackles. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under. I. I've decided. Next one, 59.5% completion for Penn State quarterbacks. Whew. That's Sorry, got to take the over. Just like I said, I feel like as we talked about at the beginning, something you're worried about, it's that Penn State, whoever plays quarterback for Penn State, has their best game of the season. I mean, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the over. Yeah, Rutgers... No of a draw. Granted, he had a higher completion percentage than either of Penn State's quarterbacks by a significant amount before the game. He completed 67.4. Wisconsin was closer to 50% than I thought, 12 of 22. Penix was 30 for 50, so he was at 60%. Um, Lombardi, 17 for 32. Oh, neat. Oh, hmm. Tanner Morgan, 18 for 31. This is an interesting number because as bad as Michigan's past defense has looked, the completion percentage is not the stat that's been the, the trouble spot. It's it's the long passing plays. I think they've given up 15 passing plays of 30 yards or more, more than they've given up in some seasons. But the completion percentage, I'm going to deviate from what my hunch would have been. I'm going to take the under. Because Penn State hasn't thrown completed that many passes. They're probably going to try to feed Jahan Dotson as much as possible. 
I, I'm, I'm going to take the under. All right. Uh, one I think we're both going to agree on. 1.5 turnovers forced by Michigan's defense. Under. Yeah. I just haven't done it. Even, and we talked a little bit about this just macro. Even Michigan's great defenses under Don Brown weren't, force, weren't forcing a ton of turnovers for whatever Correct. reason. Yeah. So I, I you know, I got to take the under on that one. You know, it's disappointing. As disappointing as it is, and as big as turnovers would be, uh, I got to take the under. Yeah, they just played a team that was chock full of turnovers. They forced one in the last snap of the game. You know, they played Michigan State off coming off a game where they turned the ball over seven times, and they didn't turn. I mean, literally, if Michigan had forced one turnover in that Michigan-Michigan State game, they probably win that football game. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I mean, it, yeah, it's I'm, I'm not trying to like say like, <laughs> oh, they were so close. But like oh, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, th- that game is going to be looked at by fans for like 20 years. Like what what the bleep? And yeah. I thought the 2017 game was going to be like that. But I think this one's even yep, I agree. Uh, more or less justifiable. But yeah, no, I don't I don't think they do. They're going to have to they're going to have to prove it. Oh, Michigan's longest field goal made is 46.5 yards under. All right. I know, I know Neil had to rush them, so I won't, I won't insult the, the, the number there. I, I, I don't think they've got who, okay. I don't better, think they have the trust in, in better the question, goal. better question. Who is, who do they run out there on Saturday when the first for the first attempt? I think it'll be Nordine. You do think it'll be Nordine? Yep. Yep. Because I, I think they would have, I think I think Nordine's getting a little guff because I mean there was the bad snap. Um they don't show this on TV as much as I would think they do. All three of his kicks were into the wind. And I think what two of them were longer than 45 yards. So it's not like they were like gimmies that he was just completely flubbing. Now the overtime one uh was was closer and there's really no reason to miss that one. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, just my hunch, I think they're, I think they're going to go with Nordine. Okay. Um, I wasn't implying it would be moody. I was actually more curious. Just wonder what you thought. I think that's a better, cause I do think under is yeah. easy under just off the odds. I thought maybe we'd, you know, at least generate a little conversation. out of it there. So. All right. Largest lead or deficit in the game is 17 points. So does uh, either team lead by 17 points or more under. Got to go under. I, I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised who, Oh wait, how about this? If the, if that's an over, who is the team that's leading? Got to be Penn state. You think so? I, I don't think Michigan hasn't started good that's true that's at true. all i mean yeah, even minnesota the one game where things went well for them they they um were just spinning their wheels for a couple sure. minutes there good i mean point. it was like they, it looked like a complete mess and could so, argue they're due to start a big a game like not like well <laughs> and and the one thing about this game my prediction won't reflect this but i feel like both teams are susceptible to one completely um poop their pants and just like get run out of the building. But then I also think both teams have it within them 
to go ahead and start looking like a 10 and two team out of nowhere. And so I, I, part of me is tempted to take the over, but I'm, I'm going to take the under um, because it seems like a pretty even matchup on paper. Even though both teams have fallen behind big time against everybody. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the under, I expect it to be evenly matched, but, but I, I don't know what you think, Steve. I think both these teams are so volatile and hard to predict. Like they could oh, come out looking one. like agree. New Year's six teams. They I could agree. come out looking like winless teams. I agree. So, all right. Those are our over unders. We'll close. I have a hunch that blank and then go ahead and tie it into your prediction. Uh, I have a hunch. Oh boy. Do I have to like start by saying I have a hunch? Um, that was the prompt yeah, I provided. <laughs> uh, boy, that's a tough one, man. Uh, this is a weird game. Uh, as we expected it, as we expected it to be a weird game based on where each team is at right now. I, I guess I think fans, I think McNamara cements himself as the guy for the future on Saturday, regardless of the prediction I'm about to make. I think that he will not be like, I feel like there's a comfort level there. I think Michigan, you know, I think there'll be optimism about Michigan's future still just based on the fact that you have a quarterback now with four years of eligibility left and really across the board, they're young as hell right now. Uh, So I have a hunch that McNamara shows out again and, and impresses Michigan fans. I think there's some optimism about their offense in the future. Okay. I have a hunch that, and I kind of teased it earlier, just, although my hunches have been okay this season, I don't think I've been too far off any time. I have a hunch that Michigan's going to do all right against Dotson. I mean, Dotson might still have a high yardage, but in terms of the yards per target, I'm just, I. This is this is my philosophy in basketball, is I often pick the team that can win the most different ways. I don't think Penn State, part of why they're 0-5, they don't have that many different ways they can win. Different paths to success. Um, could say something similar about Michigan, but I think I think Michigan's problem is less they don't have very many ways to win. They just have a defense that keeps keeps the other team in every single game and 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 falls behind early and makes Michigan play catch up. I I I just I think Michigan there's a lot they can't do as a defense right now. I think they can um, at least solidly defend one guy. He might still have a hundred yards. I'm not saying he's going to, it's not, it's not going to be shut down, but I think there can be, I just go back to that, that game against uh, Minnesota, you know, Rashad Bateman looked good. Certainly did not look like a top 10 pick against Michigan's defense, a defense that, I mean, Ricky White went crazy on the next week, but I think I think they can shut down one guy. So that's my hunch. Uh, Steve, your final prediction for this game? I'm I'm picking Penn State to win. Okay. <laughs> uh, Very reasonable. No, it is. I I look at. I just look at. I try to look at it in a simple way. I just. The Friar Muth deal is the only thing 
that has me thinking Michigan could could win this game. Not saying it's a it's it's a very it's a weirdly of course like you said it's a winnable game for both teams. Don't get me wrong. I just I don't think Michigan can get away with what they've gotten away with defensively, or even what they got away with last week defensively and win this game. Maybe I'm buying too much just into the Penn State name and just the talent that they have at certain positions. But well, and and I will say, I mean, they're missing Pat Frymuth. How many highly recruited tight ends do they have on their roster? Well, they do have Theo Johnson. Was that they could feasibly like yeah, could, have a big game? Right. Yep. I mean, he came in and played. I only think he had one catch last Saturday, but still, that that's a that's a good point. Um, I just. I just don't try. I, I don't know, man. I don't trust Michigan's defense to get it done. That's, I suppose uh, that's very just, fair. I don't know I, if no, anyone no. does. Right, right. <laughs> I know. I just you would think you know coming off a seventeen point comeback or whatever, you you would pick Michigan to beat a team that hasn't won yet and has lost to, like we said, Nebraska stinks. Um, we and we don't know about Maryland, but you know I am. I'm going to pick Penn State. Uh, I'm going to say Penn State twenty eight. No, thirty. Michigan 27. I do think it's a close game. I do. I could easily see this going either way. Um, but I guess the silver lining for me, regardless of the outcome of the game, is I, I do think that Michigan's offense shows. And again, I know I'm only saying 27 points, but still, I, I just think that they look more crisp. I think they look better. And we're, this is all about long-term investment at this point anyway in the season. I mean, there's nothing to play for outside of – you know, the situation against Ohio State, you know, which we got, obviously we're not going to pick Michigan to win that game, but you play for Michigan. That's, you know, you can change the whole perspective on the season if you win that game. That's really the only thing to play for. But I do think you come out on Saturday more optimistic about just the long-term future of the offense. I just don't – I don't trust them enough defensively to get, to get it done, even without Friar Muth, Kane, Brown – whoever else you're missing offensively. Yeah. So I am looking at, again, I, I wasn't able to watch all their games. Usually they played like right before or right after Michigan played. So I was either writing or, or, you know, eye in the sky trying to figure out who's playing for Michigan. I'm seeing a team that really just, um, is combusting, self combusting a little bit. Penn state. And and I I think that they're better than Rutgers. I think that they're better than Michigan State. But I just I think those teams had first year coaches. They had a little bit of that like fiery energy, like let's shock the world. I don't think I mean Penn State's in the same boat as Michigan. I don't think they can produce that because right now their season's a dud. I mean, and and Michigan's in the same boat where the season's just kind of you're just playing for pride at this point. Um, would be curious, a curious debate, you know, if, if Michigan or Penn state has lost more talent this season uh, to absences. So it's, it's a shorthanded team in the same boat. I'm going to, I'm going to take Michigan. I think the, the part that's giving me pause, is I, I just, I don't know if Michigan's going to score this many. I don't, I haven't winning 28, 24 which doesn't sound like a score. I'm tempted to change it as I'm saying it because I, I don't think Michigan's going to score 30 points, but I also don't know if Michigan's defense is going to hold Penn state to 24 points. So, um, 
stay tuned. This this might I might change my pick by the time I do my um, official prediction story. But I'm gonna say Michigan by four broadly, and then if I'm looking at a score, 28-24. I think this is just. Um, if you're a college football fan, this is a sad game, isn't it? I mean, you're missing so many guys who are star players, you know, NFL bound. Um, you know, this was a season that I think both teams were kind of due for a slight letdown, but there was, there was reason to be excited. Uh, the recruiting classes are both, you know, there's a little bit more recruiting stability, I should say. Kind of, kind of a bummer, uh, you know, someone who just enjoys watching football that this game is going to be so much less than it could have been. Yeah. I mean, if they think about, you know, it, it could have been like a, what four and one couple four and one teams going at it, trying to, you know, stay in the big 10 hunt, trying to go near six. And instead this is a, well, from a record standpoint, it's basically a an old Rutgers Maryland matchup. And so we'll have to see who the Maryland is. That's a, that's a, that's a way. That's one way to put it, I guess. That's, Am I wrong? That's depressing. No, no, no. You're okay. It's just a really <laughs> depressing way to put it if you're a fan for either team. Uh, yeah, especially like I said, you, we talked a little bit about this pre-recording. You know, yeah. If you're if you're a fan of either of these teams, you just you feel a little, you know, underwhelmed, snake bitten. Yeah, and I said especially in the context of the idea that uh, you know Ohio State, no opt outs, no injuries, everything going right. You know, <laughs> right. I think uh, you know what I mean. Is it's just a little, just kind of like really you know type deal if you're a fan of either of these programs right now. So you know, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, one thing we didn't really talk so you know is is coaching could be the difference, I guess. Oh no! <laughs> I know, I know. You know, of course, the whole Harbaugh Franklin thing has really been—it's eh, been one of my kind of big topics for a while now. Um, you know, the, the the way these two teams have been covered—we don't have to go back down that road again. But uh, you know, but but with two teams that have nothing to play for from a national standpoint, who again, like you said, I, I agree. I, I don't think there was really. Again, I, you know, I don't know. You know, some of our national guys thought Penn State was a potential playoff team. Nobody was picking Michigan. Obviously, I never thought. Just, just for the record, no, no, no. Hey, hey, I, hey, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say they did. I didn't think they did either. I mean, I think we yeah. both said we thought Penn State. Were they preseason like seventh or something or sixth? Yeah, it was right? too just, high. Yeah, absolutely. But I was just saying, some of our national people thought Penn State was a national, like a potential dark horse playoff team. Um. You know, in a situation where there's nothing to play for from a national standpoint or really even a conference standpoint, you know, it really could be what, who, which coach can get their team up more for this game. Part of me makes me want, it makes me want to change my prediction because I feel like Michigan has youth, you know, the exuberance of youth and, and coming off a big comeback win where Penn state just got, yeah, throttled. they've experienced a win where right. Penn and, state just had their worst game of the season. Yes. You know, get throttled at home by which to be fair, Iowa I think is, is solid. I mean, they're, they're good. They're a decent football team. I but, mean, they're three and two. It's not like they're lighting the world on fire still, but <laughs> I know what you mean. Way, they've they've looked way. good. Um, 
looking at their scores, I'm actually going to up my score a little bit. I'm going to go with 35-31 because every team Penn State has faced this year has scored at least 30 points, and Nebraska was the only team that didn't score at least 35. So maybe a bit more susceptible of a defense than I thought. Um, anyway, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Throw us a rating, uh, a like, share, tell, tell your friends about it. Uh, we've had a lot of growth the past couple months. Really appreciate all of you listeners for joining. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed it too, but uh, we appreciate you listening regardless. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.